Section 68 of Old Rail Fence Corners. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Schempf. Old Rail Fence Corners, edited by Lucy Leavenworth Wilder Morris. Nathan Hale Chapter, St. Paul. Grace Randall Lyman, Mrs. G. C. Lyman. Gertrude Karcher, Mrs. A. B. Karcher. Mrs. Frederick Penny. We lived about four miles from Shakopee, at what was called Eden Prairie. My father was William O. Collins. The Sioux Indians' old camping ground and home was on the river bottoms at Shakopee. Three miles below our place was Hennepin Landing, where the boats landed coming from St. Paul. The trail of the Sioux led directly past our house, so we saw a great deal of the Indians. At one corner of my father's land was a big boulder called Red Rock, held sacred by the Indians. Whenever the Sioux were going into battle against the Chippewas, they came to this rock, and if they were successful, they brought their trophies of war and placed them on the rock. There was room for one Indian to lie down close to the rock. Others would dance around or sit in council. As soon as they had gone, the white settlers would take everything of value. One thing we were taught was never to show fear of Indians they knew very quickly and loved to scare anyone who showed they were afraid chaska and five of his men had been out duck hunting and stopped at our house for supper the night before the outbreak in eighteen sixty two the indians were always friendly with all members of my father's family and never asked for a meal unless they were willing to pay with ducks or in some way next morning after chaska had supper with us a man came riding from st peter telling everyone to flee twenty families ours among the others remained my oldest brother had enlisted and the very day after chaska was at our house he was ordered back from fort snelling to go to fort ridgely the most disgraceful thing to an indian is to be struck with a whip or a stick one day i was holding the baby in my arms when an indian put his head in through the window close to my face before i knew anyone was near i was so frightened i ran to my mother the indians thought we were afraid so started for the garden to destroy the melons squash and pumpkins growing there my mother put on father's coat, took a big cane, and went after them, saying, Get out, these are to feed papoose, over and over. There were forty in the party, but they went without further trouble. One day on my way to school, I heard the children calling me to run, but the grass was so high I could see no one, and did not know an Indian was near. When I saw him, I was not afraid. I went on to the schoolhouse door, but the teacher was so frightened she had locked the door, and I could not get in. I stood waiting, and the Indian patted me on the head, saying, Heap brave papoose, and went on down the trail. One family by the name of Dorr, and another by the name of Horner, were both very well-to-do. When a man rode to their places at the time of the outbreak, telling them the Indians were coming, they took what they could in wagons and started for Eden Prairie, where the Dorr family stayed with the Neals. Mrs. Dorr was a Neal girl. The Horners stayed with us until the trouble was over. The door house and barns were burned to the ground, but the soldiers stopped the Indians before they reached the Horner place. Both families went back and rebuilt what had been destroyed, living there for many years. Mr. James Clark of St. Peter I came to St. Peter in March of 1856. I was in the livery business, so was among the Indians more or less until the outbreak of 1862. I made the first trip from the agency to Faribault with Bishop Whipple. Also the last, when we took a number of Indian girls from Faribault to the Sioux Agency in August, 1862. I had enlisted and was with my company in line at Fort Snelling, being sworn in when a man came riding in to tell us the Indians were on the warpath. 
we were ordered to st peter at once and found the families all sheltered in stone houses and the men barricading the town with cordwood and digging rifle pits in the bluffs but none of the families was molested within a radius of about seven miles every one who was left in town had to help all the lead pipes were taken out of the wells and slugs were cut from pieces of iron jim powell a young man left in charge of the cattle at the agency waiting for the indians to receive their pay said to me when i came up on my last trip jim i'm afraid there will be trouble the indians are getting ugly they shot an ox and skinned it and we can't say a word when the outbreak came jim powell was sitting on a mule at the agency five indians shot at him and he tried to make his mule go down to the ferry he would not go so jim slipped off and ran for the ferry the boat had started across to fort ridgely but he swam out and climbed on he went across then the twelve miles to the fort and enlisted before this the indians were driven to beg for food their rations had been so slow in coming from the government i often think there is many a man who should have a monument to commemorate his brave deeds there was duncan kennedy of st peter one of the bravest men i ever knew during the outbreak he carried messages back and forth from st peter to fort ridgely alone when asked why he did not take someone with him he said it was safer alone for if he saw an indian he would know what to do he would lie down and be quiet if someone was with him he would have to tell them to be quiet mrs john crippen footnote mrs karcher's work begins with mrs crippen and footnote was an early settler in the country coming here by way of the morris trail there were two trails one by way of hutchinson and the other following along the minnesota river the latter being the trail used during the sibley expedition mr and mrs crippen with a baby about a year old came to their homestead not far from big stone lake where they endured many privations the first few years the first year the grasshoppers took all the garden and grain after the first year new settlers began to come in and mr crippen assisted them in locating claims and in that way managed to live until another crop was raised in relating some of the experiences mrs crippen states that they had a house ten by twelve and was the first shingled roof in this country at the time one time two gentlemen from minneapolis messrs hyde and curtis had occasion to stay overnight with them so they gave these parties their only bed making one on the floor for themselves hanging a curtain between while preparing breakfast she heard one of the gentlemen say hello little fellow what are you doing with my toe her baby had awakened and gone over to their bed it was over a year before they had any chickens or cows she used to hunt plover eggs and several times was without flour having to grind wheat and corn in the coffee mill the nearest railroad town was morris forty miles northeast the first fourth of july celebration was held near the lake at a place now called point comfort the flagstaff is still where they placed it a mrs tyler roasted a small pig which they used as a centerpiece at the picnic dinner minus the apple in its mouth one of the young gentlemen whose father was a minister in minneapolis had sent him sermons which he read on the sabbath in the schoolhouse c k orton the founder of ortonville took a homestead adjoining big stone lake in the spring he returned for his family consisting then of his wife and child clara together with several neighbors they started in the month of july following the old trail via Nuom, thence to montevideo when they reached montevideo they discovered the bridges had washed away so they were obliged to ford the chippewa river which was very deep and rapid mr and mrs orton rode side by side he carrying a sack of flour which he lost while endeavoring to hold her but which he afterward recovered 
it took the party several days to get their belongings which consisted of cattle horses oxen etc on the west side of the river they were badly frightened a few months later which was after they had settled in their new home by a mr movius of big stone city who came to them with a report of the indians five hundred in number from the sisseton reservation were on the warpath and were headed their way mrs orton and another woman being alone with children say that they had a flat-bottomed boat which they had planned to get in and get out into the middle of the lake and that if overtaken by indians rather than be tortured as they had seen other people near new alm and other towns would drown themselves and children but luckily it was a false report mr orton was the first postmaster of this place the mail being brought once a week from appleton twenty-five miles east by mr lathrop who had a wagon train hauled by oxen by which he carried flour and provisions to the settlers along the lake shore there was a log cabin still standing in big stone city which was built in the year eighteen fifty seven e b karcher has in his possession the government patent given in eighteen fifty five and signed by franklin pierce to his father john karcher for a hundred and sixty acres of land in fillmore county minnesota where john karcher founded the village of preston and erected the second flouring mill in the territory of minnesota lyman r jones of ortonville has a stove door taken from the ruins of the presbyterian mission built in eighteen thirty eight and which was destroyed by fire march third eighteen fifty four mr roberts an old-timer here has the powder horn which little crow carried through the sioux massacre end of section sixty eight